It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Gordy Brown, starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget, Las Vegas, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And I should say Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 7.30. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, go to gordybrown.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown. And Gordy, welcome back to the show. I appreciate being on, Ira. It's always fun talking with you because I'm not sure who I'm always talking with. It could be... One celebrity, one singer, one entertainer, and you. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so. yep. you never know. Uh, at, at this hour of the day, it's probably just a couple of characters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually, I'm usually uh, asleep Elvis hours, if you know what that, well, if I you remember what that means. I yeah. do, yes, absolutely, and I appreciate you getting up in order to do it. So we're recording oh, you bet. ahead of time. You so. bet, excited to be on. Just a little brief background for those of you who may not know. Gordy was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, or Montreal, Quebec, or Quebec, I guess is the correct pronunciation. Quebec? Uh-huh. Good. Yep, Quebec. And, and you began your career as a political cartoonist, which is fascinating to me because, it was, we talked about this before, where you went from a, being a political cartoonist to being an entertainer and a great impressionist and a singer and actor and writer and everything else. But how is it that you made that leap? What was it that caused you to go in that direction versus staying in the, in essence, the newspaper business? And thinking back now, it probably is good because with the digital age, there's not that many newspapers around. At first, when I was 16, I was in a play in school. So I knew I was going to be, or I wanted to be, and I was headed in a direction to be an entertainer. So that stayed with me. It never left. I was a janitor. Somebody saw me drawing somebody, and they loved it. They made a photocopy of it. They started saying, I'm the guy who did those drawings. Somebody then said to me, you need to be a political cartoonist. I kind of had to look in a dictionary what that was at that time <laughs> of my life. Uh, then I got a mentor who was the uh, local political cartoonist for the Montreal paper. And uh, my parents were moving to Ottawa. In the meantime, I had become more known because I started dabbling in political cartoons. Uh, there was an opening or, or there was a newspaper starting in Ottawa. So I moved along with them and ended up getting the job there. So with that, I'm doing all these drawings in the political realm, I guess, every week. It was just once a week. But it never left me that I was going to be an entertainer. So even though I was gaining success as a political cartoonist kind of rapidly, I had always still in my mind of I didn't know what kind of entertainment I would be involved in, whether it be acting or, or comedy or, or or in a band singing and songwriting and stuff. And so at that moment, I guess uh, along along that uh, period of time, uh, Rich Little was performing in Ottawa and I was hearing always about him that he was from Ottawa. So I went to go see a show. It was just me. I bought one ticket sat in the front row, and as he was doing a show, I was like, well, there it is. There's everything. There's comedy. There's acting. There's his ability to move and 
be an all one-man showmanship type of performer that I had kind of a bell go off and that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn impressions that incorporates all these aspects and different elements that I that I envisioned. So um, it was right before me. I said, well, there it is. And so I made uh, Rich my mentor and I started heading down that road of learning impressions. So he's obviously aware of the impact he had on you at that stage. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't leave him alone in, in the earlier <laughs> days. Knock, knock, guess who? He, he always knew who it was. <laughs> yeah. So once you decided to go down that road, do you remember the first impression that you worked on and then the first impression that you felt was at a level that could be professionally presented? Yeah, that was Elvis. Elvis passed away at the, all around that same time where I knew I wanted to be an entertainer. So Elvis was my first impression that I remember. Even the talking Elvis, man, because I'd watch all of his movies. And, and <laughs> it would just come on out. I didn't know why, but uh, there'd always be a, a time where he just starts singing out of the blue. <laughs> that's the way that's the way uh i always thought he was an actor that he just sang in movies actually you know and my brother had come home with an album of his that i would uh while he was at work i would play endlessly and i realized that yeah he was a, he was a rock and roll star and then he became a, a motion movie star when you started to work on the various impressions and you do so many I, did you ever take a count as to how many you do if I'm doing Donald Trump, I would say it's in the billions, okay? But it's not. It's, it's probably around 100, uh, you know? I, I remember I stopped counting around 100. Yeah. It used to matter a lot. Like, I, I remember in about five months, I had learned 50. And, and then I had no jokes for them. So I started, <laughs> to, you know, to, to work on comedy. Right, then the writing, the writing element. started, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Initially, I would repeat what Rich Little was doing. But I would always tell people, oh, Rich Little wrote that, and Rich Little does that. You know, I remember having to say say that after everything I said. <laughs> well, at least you had integrity, because a lot of people would yeah. have material and, and not say that. So No, that's, I that's always had integrity, yep. Is the process for learning each impression, is there, because the show is called Lasting Impressions, again, Gordy Brown at the Golden Nugget, uh -huh. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 7.30. What, is there the process for learning these impressions the same for each one, or do you vary it depending on whether the person is just a talker or a singer? Sure. I noticed that I was wondering why I was do, learning a lot of singing as opposed to the talking, like I was more pulled in initially in that direction and and it's because singers they have it's a control you know they're singing the verses they're singing the words the verses and it's a controlled melody so you can latch on to that melody and also the tone and then within that hopefully what makes them really unique is their phrasing or their uh, different aspects of their voice within that tone like they might be more have a thin voice so they might have more more uh, guttural sound and you know so there's something to grab hold of and i guess in the 80s there was a lot of uniqueness of that going on whereas i find it less nowadays for some reason i don't know i've heard that from other impressionists that and even rich little references it that there were distinct voices in mm -hmm. the, even going back to the 30s the 40s the 50s the 60s 
And yeah. then it started to flatten out, and everyone sort of sounds the same. Uh, not the same, but Midwest or just a flat affect, whatever it is. It's, yeah. not, it's not quite the same. So how do you, as an impressionist, how do you adjust for that, or how do you address it when you have people who are well-known to the public that you would like to do an impression of, but they don't necessarily have a distinctive either singing voice or speaking voice. You, you just, uh, well, at my age, I just forget about it. <laughs> I move on. If, if they got nothing for me, then I move on. That's great. You know, the My Pillow guy has, has more <laughs> definition and things to grab within his way of speaking than most actors nowadays. That's not to say that they're not bad actors. It's just that as an impressionist, they, somebody like the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, has more right. something to grab hold of <laughs> than some terrific actor that's up and coming. So what know. that tells it, me then, Gordy, that do you can find these voices that may not be in the typical or stereotypical right. oh, entertainment realm, but you will find yeah. them in an infomercial or you'll find them as Right, a, for sure. They're still out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the characters are still out there in the world, for sure. But unfortunately for people that want to find success in doing voices <laughs> and to make good money at it, right. um, if you grab a hold of those ones that nobody really knows that you do <laughs> yeah, exactly. really well. Exactly. Yeah, obscure. You know, it I isn't going to be too much bang for the buck. Well, with Rich. It is what it is. Exactly. When I've talked with Rich Lowe, he's been on the show many times, one of the voices I ask him to occasionally do is uh, Herbert Marshall, the actor. And he can do it, but nobody knows who Herbert Marshall is. So it's Yeah, kind of I was situation. about to look it up. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> this is not your first time at the Golden Nugget, which is you had a long run there initially. And what's great is you're back in the same room and you're performing again. And do you find that when you're in a venue that you've performed in before that some of the audiences that you have in other places you perform come back to that particular venue does that make sense what i'm asking in other words sure because of the yeah. the familiarity of the venue and the fact that you were part of it for so long when they hear that you're back there are you getting people that wouldn't necessarily see you at some other location yes uh that ha i have totally uh noticed that right right from uh opening night and it's been great seeing them again people like to be comfortable so they like to go to places they're happy and familiar with so uh, they're showing up and i'm grateful that they are yep when you do your impressions, do you ever do an informal survey of your audience to see which impressions are the favorites, the crowd favorites, so to speak? Or do you just decide on your own, I'm going to do this, 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 and in this order? Or do you ask the audience, hey, do you like this one or do you like that one? Or, In other words, that's part of, um, the, I guess, the research process, and I don't know if you do well, that. Well, in the show, I have a show that I have, and I have a an absolute layout but that layout can change at any moment so that's just the style i've always had and that i can come out of anything that i'm doing to make or react to a situation that's going on in front of me in the crowd or something so i always had that freedom of mind to go out of the order and and then to get back on track because i do have a show so the so you know i have uh I do have beginning, middle, and end of a show, but I, I have it. I guess my style is to have that ability to come in and out where, whenever I want. You know, in in fact, within the let's say it's a parody I'm doing, I'll be able to even switch the words within that parody 
if I find that the audience can follow along of what just happened, let's say a particular thing had happened in the audience, well, I'm able to, I'm not just able to, I, I sometimes will decide to leave what I'm doing and join into what just happened and then head back. You know, it's basically ad lib, but the show is not ad lib. I just have that ability to. Right. You have a show structure, but if, for example, you're doing an impression of celebrity A and you see that the crowd reaction is stronger than the night before, you can extend that. Yeah. And sometimes if it's really great, I will um, add that to the show, but I won't add it where I, where I would have to say to somebody, hey, say that same thing at that same time. I don't go down that road ever, you know, where where now you have a plant because you need a seat to jump off with right? to get over there. Yeah, right. I've never done that because if you start doing uh, doing that in my mind and then you start doing other shows, well, you'll never be able to make that work, you know. So I like just going with the flow, I guess, and staying real to the environment and reacting. And usually there's some good entertainment magic that comes out of that and you're in the moment in essence yeah and yeah. as a result of being in the moment you can react to anything that the crowd reacts yeah you want to be as, as well. loose yeah right and that like, keeps you that keeps you sharp too like bruce lee said like water my friend like water <laughs> you must flow like the water flows from the cup once spilled <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps you sharp as well as bruce lee sharp except he's dead so there you go. Yeah. All yeah. right. Let's take a break. My guest, Gordy Brown, is starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget, Las Vegas, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. For ticket information, and that's at 7.30. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, go to gordybrown.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. Aviator One in a holding pattern until the return of baseball in 2020. Your Las Vegas Aviators AAA affiliate of the Oakland Athletics had an amazing inaugural season at the new Las Vegas ballpark. Great new food choices, a beautiful club level, park on the berm dog nights, fireworks nights, and family fun nights. Don't miss a minute of the action when the Aviators return to the Las Vegas ballpark in 2020. Season tickets are on sale now at aviatorslv.com. Now, let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Gordy Brown. He's starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 7.30. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, and that's G-O-R-D-I-E, Gordy Brown, go to gordybrown.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown. So that's a lot of Gordy Browns going on there. And you've, you've picked that color and you're staying with it, Gordy. So there you go. Yeah, I was on Letterman at one point and, um, and Paul Schaefer was going, uh, Gordy Howe. Howe. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave was like, no, it's Gordy Brown. And then by the end of the show, it was back to Gordy Howe. <laughs> Is Gordy a popular name in Canada? Uh, well, it was my dad's name and my dad's dad's name, my grandfather's name. Right. So. You got to keep um, it. You got to keep it. It was popular within that realm. Right. <laughs> well, it's also yeah. distinctive, though, because if your name was, let us say, Joe Brown or Michael Brown or yeah. Sam Brown, I don't think people would remember it as easily yeah, as Gordon Brown. I probably would have changed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. okay. 
when you when you look at your range of impressions that you do, and and again, you do more than a hundred. Was there one that got away, so to speak, or one that just took too much time and effort and wasn't worth it for the payback from the audience reaction or for the entertainment? Oh audience? yeah, there's always those. Yeah, you have a percentage of hit and miss for sure. And I've done Seinfeld in my show, and I've gotten a reaction, and then I let it go. It's just certain things I or certain people that I do let go of, and then I come back to. Because um, there's a certain range in your voice, I find that it has to hit right. And if your voice isn't perhaps loosened up at that show, there was a time I was smoking cigars where my John Wayne impression would be incredible, but my Leno impression would suffer greatly. <laughs> so instead of smoking cigars, you bought a bunch of cars. Yeah, no, I only I only have one car. Well, yeah. Jay Leno has hundreds. That's why I figured if you yeah, bought oh, all yeah, those he's cars... Great. These cars of mine are kept in my own very, uh, very large garage. It's a fantastic place to keep your cars when you have humidity control. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his cars. He loves, I don't oh, he loves his cars, yes. Yeah. I thought it would be great to tour his garage. Yours, I don't necessarily need to tour because no. you say you have one car, so I don't need I to almost did it. tour his garage. We were on a private flight. I was lucky enough to get a corporate event at the same time that Jay was getting one, but I was invited to go with Jay on the MCI jet. Nice. So we shared a jet, and as we were taking off, Jay was like, you see that building right there? That's where I keep all my cards. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And uh, he says, sure, if you're around sometime, you live in the area, just step on by. If I'm in there, I'll show you around. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so generous of you. I would love to see that, but it never came, you know, came to be. But uh, I do remember... The thought of it in my mind as we were taking off, because he was pointing it out, and I'm like, that whole huge garage is yours? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it important? Yeah. I was thinking with cars and Jay Leto, since you were talking about that, how important are props in an impressionist act? What I mean by that, it doesn't have to be a car, uh, obviously. It's but... as important as you make it or you bring the attention to it. So if that's where your joke's coming from and that's where you wrote it, then... That's, you know, uh, if you're looking at an external prop, but if it's a prop that you put on, you like know, a to hat turn or something into like the person. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing that I've chose, I guess, I don't know when I did, but I chose not to make my show a Halloween type of thing. Understood. I, would, Understood. I, I think Robin Williams taught me that by watching Robin Williams and that, um, you can see the visual once you as the artist points in a direction where you want the uh, the viewer to look. So, you know, um, I can talk about Johnny Cash and I could turn into him. But as I paint the picture for the audience, I don't have to say, I'll be back in five minutes. I have to get a lot of black clothes on. <laughs> right. you, know, yeah. so, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can it's, almost put them there. It's almost, for, Michael, <laughs> for Michael, you might want a hat. For yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I would try to, if I'm working like a smaller room and the production is not doesn't need to be grand or anything, because uh, you know you don't want to do a full on Michael where you have to get dressed up. Um, you could even borrow someone's hat from the audience. You could put your hat, your almost your hand over your forehead so it makes like the tip of a fedora. There's other ways to bring the illusion forth. <laughs> Yeah, that's, Instead you know, that's, of to that's, get dressed up like them, you know. Yeah, but a pair of glasses goes a long way. 
Right. And that's something, and the reason I ask that question is when you do go out on the road or you go doing a private corporate function or entertaining in another city, you don't want to necessarily have to haul a bunch of boxes of props. So you want to minimize it. Yeah. Yeah. I try to write in a way where you don't have to bring any props. Which is very good. You're the minimalistic impressionist. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I think there's maybe three things on stage, a cowboy hat, a pair of black glasses and Elvis glasses. That's all I, I have on stage. And all three. And a guitar. Yes. <laughs> and a car. But all th- and, no, and a guitar. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. And a guitar. Yeah. And a guitar. Yes, of course. And three of those four things you could put in your jacket pocket. The guitar, yeah, you, the guitar you can't. That's a little bit bigger. Yeah. On the road, I, 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 don't, I won't bring the cowboy hat. Yeah. I don't need it. You know, right. You'll, you'll just do the cowboy impression without the hat. I don't even know why I have it now. I think my wife was saying, I like it. <laughs> that's that's why you have it. <laughs> so I said, I'll keep it in there. Exactly baby. right. You got to do it. <laughs> so with all your experience and years in show business now, when you started out, as we talked earlier about you being influenced by Rich Little and others, such uh-huh. as Robin Williams yeah. and studying stagecraft and working sure. out your act and everything, are there lessons that you learned that surprised you about show business in the sense that you didn't think i don't think you ever thought you're going to be in las vegas and, and you've been in las vegas i've lost track of how many years you've been in las vegas but it's a lot mm-hmm. i guess even with my career i just kind of went with the flow and didn't really focus in on too much of the business side of it i figured i have a management team for that you know so i was always setting myself up to do the uh, creative work, right? The stuff that will bring a smile to an audience. Um, so I was always working on my craft that I still am. My room, my I have two different rooms. One is where I sleep, and it's totally still set up to continue my work with my computer and my lights and my papers everywhere. So that's I love to entertain so much that I'm always constantly uh, working at it. What it sounds like is you have the two parts of you, not not the three parts. The third part would have been, as you said, the business side and that you leave to others. But on the creative side, you have the performance on stage, and that is the part that brings you a lot of joy. And then mm-hmm. you, the other part is your craft in the sense of the writing the act, honing the act, changing the act, yeah. bringing in new impressions, rehearsing them, and all of that. So that sounds yeah. The, uh, that sounds like your bifurcated life. You're on stage, and then you're also off stage. But off stage, as you say, you're working on material and yeah. Somebody might see me at the show going, "Oh, you're only there for two hours." Well, well, I've been up for sixteen in a row, just nonstop working at it. I mean, that happens all the time. And which, of course, is why your wife is mad at you. Yeah, I'm addicted to it. She has a whole other life. She always says to me, it's like, you have a whole other life. I go, I do, and you do. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> You're involved in yours. It doesn't really cross over to mine right. in terms of, um, you know, the showbiz part of it. Right. And uh, we're we're both okay with that. Yeah, I can yeah. I can see that would make up for a strong marriage because you don't want to yeah. have total involvement all the time. And it's sort yeah. of living above the candy store type of thing if you do it yeah. that way. And so, yep. so some couples can do it. Some show business couples can do it. But when you know you can't, it's best to do it. I think your approach makes sense to me. And you keep it all separate. Yeah, it's it's what has worked for us. Do you find that she? Years. Yeah, and do you find that she is a good critic 
so that if you want to try out a piece of material, you'll do it for her or not? Not this particular wife. <laughs> not, not the best at that. So, so I've learned to, to not go right. Right. there with it too much. It just never works out. It's going to come to a crash. <laughs> well, the, so the first wife, uh, which she's the second wife, is fine. Was the first, she knows that the first wife did have that ability, and uh, I can still go to her and uh, ask her, "What about this one?" That's pretty good to so, have that, uh, that but, relationship. But in between, I've had um, a couple of uh, really great assistants that I would go to work with, and they were absolutely the, the right pick because they did have that ability and that's very important to have around you the ability yep. for someone to look at you as objectively as possible and say that's not working yeah. or that needs to be stronger yeah. it's or what, whatever yeah it's gold it's absolutely gold in anyone's career I, i'd imagine that's what we all need is not a yes person somebody that gives you uh, valuable truth yes absolutely and that's how you grow and change and yeah and, and get yeah. better yeah. when you look at your list of 100 plus impressions and you were forced to by me to pick the top three would mm -hmm. you have a top three um i've been loving pacino well i'm getting tired of de niro <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh pacino and uh nicholson are still you know you can't lose and de niro i mean those are those are the ones where you just can't lose like people they the audiences just love them so the mass audience just loves them so those would have to be the top talking ones anyway. So those are the top audience favorites. What about the top Gordy Brown favorites? Well, it's still Gary Shandling. Okay. <laughs> I miss. Right. But, uh, you know, I've just turned into Gary Shandling, and he was such a great comedian and one of my very favorites. And fun to do, and it's kind of like my go-to um when I ad lib, sometimes it'll come out as Gary, uh, which is really funny. I'm always going to love Robin Williams, okay? But Al Pacino can really bring it. Hoo -ah! The guy's got the, the, the right sound for me. That when I have a cigar, I know that voice is still going to be there. That's great. Yeah. Um, Christopher Walken is fun. As well, I do them in a Led Zeppelin song, which is weird because <laughs> I don't sing at all right. anymore, really. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, he's a, he's fun. he is fun to do. He's fun to hear you do, and he's fun just to that accent is yeah. so unique in that sense. So. Um, I do Alan Thick, but then I go into Robin Thick, and then the voice gets much higher during the song. You know, everybody get up. If you can't hear what I'm trying to say, <laughs> got that. It's, it's, uh, it, it could be this song is in the wrong key. <laughs> yeah. I've got one. I've got one. I mentioned Herbert Marshall and Rich Little. Is there one obscure person? If I knew you were did? such a great laugher, I would have started these impressions a long time ago. I enjoy your impressions. So I have to laugh. It's great. Oh. So is there one that just like Rich Little had Herbert Marshall? Is there one obscure one that you do that you don't care if the audience knows it? You don't necessarily have to do it on I'm stage, sure. but, but is there one that you really really like for yourself that's obscure let's see let's see i'm sure there is there's there's people like this that i do like 
Hello, Gordon. I don't know if you remember me, but uh, my name is Israel. I'm calling to say hi, and I hope that um, we have a chance today. Don't always just have to call, talk, and talk to your machine. <laughs> let, let me know when you're home, and I've left, I've left my number, so please call me. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have fun just changing it up every chance. You know, every time it occurs to me, I guess I can go into a different voice. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Gordy Brown. I, He's start, I'm still, yes. I still do Jim Stewart in the, in the show, uh, <laughs> in, a, in a new way. <laughs> yeah, the people still like the golden oldies. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my guest has been Gordy Brown, as well as Jimmy Stewart and others, starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 730. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown and everybody else that he inhabits, go to gordybrown.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown. Hey, Gordy, thanks for being on the show again. Yeah, Ira, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you. Thank you. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Be my